All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Can you see it? Did you know? The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments notice. Adam's leading. To the line, Hughes scores! Yes, existence. Take you to the sun. First career NHL goal. Quinn Hughes makes it 1 nothing. Here, like I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in in Valentine's Day. Wow, we should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to bump you right now. Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores. Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code HockeySeason, capital H, capital S, at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic.com. Check them out on all platforms, and check them out on Twitch for weekly case breaks. My name is David Quadrelli, and I am joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. Chris, how's it going, buddy? 
I'm doing good, man. Uh, picked up some cards the other day from Zephyr Epic, actually, myself. And guess what rookie card I ended up pulling? No, Ru- did you really? Take a random shot in the dark. Random shot in the dark. Well, well it's got to be Hoaglander, right? It, it wasn't Hoaglander. <laughs> it was uh, it was older <laughs> packs, uh, and it was actually a rookie card of Adam Gaudette, believe it or not. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I have one of those as well. That was one of my earlier pulls. That was before we started even doing the show together, though. That was when I was still... Going out and buying my cards. That was, Ooh. wow. Yeah. Paying too wow. much, going to London Drugs. You're not getting the Zephyr deals. You're not getting the promo code. That's, you know, that's not good talk right there. But, yeah, I mean, no. like, I've been saying this, and, like, I think I've said this for a long time. Even before Zephyr came on as a sponsor of the show, and now they're the presenting sponsor of the show, we love working with the folks at Zephyr. But, like, is there a better feeling than, like, getting back into opening up sports cards? Like, I, I opened a lot of Pokemon cards when I was a kid, a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh cards when I was a kid. We've talked about this in the past. But, like, opening cards now, specifically hockey cards, and I think this might be the same thing for you with baseball, but, like, when you do pull that young gun with a Canuck on it, like, doesn't matter who it is. If it's Guillaume Brisebois, Oldie Levy, or even, like, the big one now is Niels Huglander. Like, if you pull any of these cards, it's really hard to beat that feeling from... From a pack that normally costs you like five to six dollars, right? Like it's really hard to beat that feeling. That's fair. I remember when I pulled the Pedersen that I'm looking at right now that I have in a frame on my desk. That is that is that was a feeling right there. That was <laughs> well, that, that was a very good feeling. That's what started it with me. I, I before I even like before I even was in contact with Zephyr Epic, I bought a box off of them. This must have been like two and a half years ago or whatever it was, um, of series one for Pedersen's rookie year. And when I pulled that Pedersen card, it was, like, the first box I bought of cards in, like, probably, what, 15 years? Like, I was 25 years old, probably since I was, like, 10 or 12 years old that I bought a pack. And I ended up getting it in, like, one of the last packs of the box had an Elias Pedersen rookie card. So now I have that Young Guns card, and, like, that card's going for a few hundred bucks already. So that's one to hold on to. But uh, I want to talk about cards a little bit more because... I've been cornering the market quads. I think I've told you a little bit about this uh, over the past couple of weeks here, but I've been cornering the market on Nikita Triamkin Young Guns cards. I've I've bought about probably twelve over the past two weeks. Uh, they're only going for like four to six dollars on eBay right now, and that's like including shipping. So I'm buying stock while it's low, and you know I've been doing the same on Ole Yulevi. Every time I see a Yulevi <laughs> card for under five dollars, I'm buying that Yulevi rookie card. So I'm looking at it on my left right now. Uh, so I have, I don't have any of the Triampkins yet because I bought them, uh, very recently, but I've got about six rookie young guns of Olia Levy, which is what you can find <laughs> in the sets right now. Um, oh. some of the Jake for Tannen cards came in and I even got a jumbo young guns of Jake for Tannen. So I've got the jumbo card of, uh, the rookie for Tannen card. I don't know if that one's going to end up being worth anything, but, uh, like I say, I'm buying low. I'm not in the stock market. But I'm in the card market, man. I'm I'm buying low on some of these cards, and I'm hoping to sell high in, in ten years from now. Wow! If your Nikita Triamkin card goes up in value, like at all, I will be shocked. I will be very <laughs> impressed with that buy on your part. Even if you make like five bucks off it, that's I, I don't know, Chris. That's that's gonna be pretty impressive. But enough card talk. Everybody should go to ZephyrEpic.com. Go buy yourself some cards and join in on this conversation with us. Tweet us what you pull. We'll have a lot of fun with that. But one thing we wanted to say, Chris, off the top of the show is today, Canucks PR, well, with Jeff Patterson, of course, announcing that the new Botchford Project candidates have been announced. The three candidates being announced. We've got Lachlan Irvine. Oh, I'm trying to do this off memory. Uh, Clarissa and Arash. I 
don't know his last name off the top of my head. I just followed him on Twitter today from Pucks on Net. Congrats to all three of them. I'm, I'm going to let you take it here because I know you know Arash's last name and I, I do not. I'd have to look it up. But congrats to all three of them. All lovely candidates to be picked. And I'm pretty excited to see them all come through the press box at Rogers Arena. Oh, yeah. Uh, so stoked for, for Lachlan uh, and Clarissa. Obviously, you and I have a good relationship with both of them. Um, Clarissa has been doing amazing work ever since she uh, made that TikTok or forced uh, Elias Pedersen to make the TikTok. Ever since she's done that, like, I messaged her today and it was like, you know, like, she does a lot of a lot of fun stuff on Twitter, right? Like, everything she does on Twitter just seems to be fun. Um, she's having fun with so much of it, but there's a lot of work that goes into that. Like, you know, it, it is fun to just make TikToks, and yeah, maybe some of them take a few seconds, but, like, it's a long road to be able to put out that much good content, and props to Clarissa. She 100% deserves to get that opportunity, and she's going to be, her story's going to be so much fun to, uh, to see come together. Lachlan was a no-brainer for me. I've you know, spent a lot of WHL Giants games uh, with Lachlan last year before the pandemic shut everything down. We actually had a class together um, at BCIT, a part-time class, and that was a lot of fun getting to know Lachlan. Um, so super stoked for him. And, and Arash, uh, yeah, I don't know Arash's last name either, but he's the Prince of Pomegranate uh, on the on the Pucks on Net podcast, a show that I've been listening to for, oh man, probably like, it's crazy to think like, I've been listening to a, a hockey podcast for five years, but like Pucks on Net, I wasn't there from the beginning of Pucks on Net because I think they've been running for like seven years, but they were one of the first two shows. Them and Real Good Show were like the first two podcasts that I started listening to when I was working at the mill. Um, and Arash has come in this year as a co-host and just done an awesome job uh, over there with Shap and, and Gita. So uh, props to Arash. I hear his his story is going to be a lot of fun to see him put together. I, I love hearing him talk about hockey. It's uh, it's He's brought a lot of good things to Pucks on Net and the podcast over there. So shout out to them. We're Patreon supporters of their show as well. Uh, they aren't to us, but yeah, no problem. Whatever. Um <laughs> You know, can't return the favor or whatever, that's fine. But uh, stoked for all three of them, man. I think that um, some excellent, excellent selections uh, made by by Kat and Jeff and, and Canucks PR. And I don't know if Ryan Beach is involved as much this year as he was last year, but he was one of the guys that dealt with us last year. Um, and anybody else who, who really helped uh, make that decision, I, I think they nailed it. I think they hit all three of these ones out of the park with their decisions. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's going to be fun to see them in the press box, right? Like, you know... That was you and I last year, Chris. You, you know, I was the first. Not a big deal. Just like to point that out every time it gets brought up. But you know, it it was really cool going into the press box. And now, man, they're not even going to the cramped press box. They're going to the Encore Lounge. Like the the setup we have now is much nicer than the actual press box. Like I'm 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 honestly I'm gonna miss that next year and oh. all the years after that when we're back in the regular press box. Like it is cramped up there. You're like really close to everybody and you know, I was a germaphobe before COVID and it's gonna suck going back up there, but you know, you, you also can't really complain too much about it. It's just it's nice to be in the Encore suite right now. Yeah, I can't wait to get back to the press box, or the regular press box, so I can be even closer to hear Thomas Drantz whine about the games. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun, because I'm already I'm already pretty far away from him here. I can still hear him the whole game. Um, <laughs> if, if, if he's not tweeting away at people on Twitter, God, I don't know how that guy does it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like these three are going to get a huge opportunity. Um, unfortunately, like there was a lot of things that I think you and I loved about being able to just go in the locker room, see pregame, take all that in. I hope that their experience is, is not tainted so much by the fact that, that COVID's going to not allow that to happen. I mean, like, dude, like I got like a five-minute one-on-one with Elias Pettersson where we just talked about Jason Botchford, like, outside the locker room that day. And, like, that was, you know, like, I don't really talk about that moment so much, but, like, that was a, a crazy moment for where I was at 
uh, in my career in media anyways, and like getting that opportunity, I'm still mad no one took a picture. That would have been the profile picture for a long time <laughs> moving forward. You know, me and me and Petey just talking out in the hallway by the locker room there. That was awesome. Uh, and just being able to learn from everyone that day, like, you know, be around Jeff and, and Tom and everyone that was there last year and to just kind of be able to take everything in from those guys and learn a lot. I think that I think Lachlan's got a bright career. I, lo- I love the work that Lachlan's putting out. Uh, you know what he's doing with um, with our with our buddy and fellow fellow Botchford recipient as well, Cody Sievertson on on the Crease Cast. Like they've they've done a great job, I think, of of redoing that show and you know relaunching it this year with Cody as a co host. And and Lachlan's going to write a hell of a story that I'm 100 percent sure is going to be on Goaltenders. So I'm sure you're going to love that one too, Quads. Absolutely. I was going to say, Chris, when you were out there with Petey, you should have just asked, hey, Petey, you got, you got time for a quick selfie? You take a <laughs> selfie in the, in the hallway. That might be a little frowned upon. Actually, on that note, it was funny. I, I'm sure the Botchford Project kids this year will uh Listen to you calling we'll people. This. Listen to you calling people kids. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. They're not kids. I guess Clarissa's younger got... than you, though, right? Clarissa, you can call a kid. I guess. No. No. Clarissa's older than me, dude. Really? I thought she was younger than you for sure. No. I think oh, she's man. older than me. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure. I think I'm. I'm probably the youngest, to be honest with you. I don't think there's anybody that's been younger than me. So it's kind of ironic. I called them kids, but I, I meant everybody. We're all kids <laughs> in, uh, when we go through the Bonfire Project. But anyway, now I lost my train of thought. Um. Yes. Okay. What I was gonna say is uh in there in your itinerary it's like tells you a tire it's like don't wear a jersey so obviously there's been a precedent for that not at the botford project but with somebody like in a some sort of media mentorship program of somebody just showing up in a jersey in the press box which honestly that's that's hilarious to me like i i could not imagine wearing a jersey to do you a not game do anymore. you not know like, why that happened no why'd that happen well, you know, being BCIT students ourselves, um, apparently BCIT students used to be able to somehow get access to certain games, and I guess that one person was wearing Canucks jerseys to their access in the media box as a BCIT student, um, and this had to be this had to be years, probably I wouldn't say ten years ago, but it's definitely been a handful of years for sure. Um, actually, it might be it might be a good conversation to have with one of the hosts from Pucks on Net, uh, Ryan Shapu, I believe, was at BCIT around that time. So yeah, I think it was it's BCIT students to blame, I believe, for that rule of not being able to wear jerseys in the in the press box, or the fact that they had to make that a rule because apparently it's not obvious enough. <laughs> That's amazing! Oh, that is so funny. Okay, well, okay, good to know. That, I'm I'm glad you were able to tell that story. We have some actual Canucks talk to get into. Chris. Oh yeah, we spent the first twelve <laughs> minutes talking about cards and the Botford project. So let's let's jump into it here. We've got some actual Canucks talks. Chris, the Canucks came back. Expectations couldn't have been lower, and they come back and beat the Toronto Maple Leafs two games in a row. Chris, and by the way, it was in pretty decisive fashion in the second game. And man, holy smokes, you just look at this team and you see like, okay, these guys went through hell and back just a week ago and there was guys that couldn't get upstairs and now they're playing games and it's just, you know, the respect level that you have for these players definitely goes up when you kind of hear what they've been going through and you see how they're performing now that they've come back from this. It's just... like there's almost no words for it. It's just it's 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 remarkable to see what they were able to do against the Maple Leafs. And 
yes, they needed those extra days off, and we've talked a lot about JT Miller and him saying what he said and how that was necessary for this hockey club and that it's going to help them in this playoff push. I'm doing air quotes as I say that because it's still there's still a long way to go, but they're in a legitimate spot right now. Yeah, they are. I mean, it's in reach, right? I mean, it's in reach to see what the other teams ahead of them have been doing over the past few weeks while the Canucks were not playing. It is in reach, and I think like one of the crazy things was like, do you remember? So before we before the first game on Sunday, um, I believe it might have been Saturday, it might have been Friday, but Tyler Myers spoke to the media, and like he was like laughing, like like laughing in like a, almost like a crazy laugh, like evil laugh way of looking back at. They're like, oh, what kind of symptoms do you, did you have? Like, what what were the symptoms that you had over the time that you were infected with it? And he was like, he was just laughing. He's like everything. Like he literally had like every single symptom, all these different things. And to think that like within 24 hours or 48 hours of him giving those comments about you know kind of just going through hell of what he did to to play over 30 minutes, like you know, shout out to Tyler Myers. I know he doesn't get a lot of praise on this show, but what he's done over the past couple games and and you know playing 52 minutes over these two wins. That's a lot of ice time for a guy um, who's who's been in some tough situations, had to block a lot of shots, play in the penalty kill. He was doing three on three. He sets up the Horvat goal. Like, like these players, yeah, they're, they're definitely coming together. And there is obviously, there's like a, there's got to be like a mental boost just being the fact that they're back on the ice, right? And I wonder how long that lasts, but this feels like something that could spark a team to, to really get on a roll. But I'm just... I'm still looking at the schedule, right? It's something that we talked about for the basically the last two weeks of the show is like the schedule's still extremely hard, right? Like the Canucks are going to have to rotate players in to this lineup to keep everyone fresh and healthy because they're just, they're going to about to get in some games where they like some weeks where they have five games in a week, four games in a week, back to backs every single week for the rest of the season. Like it, it's about to get a lot harder than, than the rose go, the roses that we've been smelling over the past couple of games here against, uh, against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I, it doesn't get any easier, but man, they, they blew my expectations right out of the water. And I think I even said it on last, last, uh, episode of the show. I was like, I'm hammering, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs on the bet line, right? I was going to definitely take the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, I didn't actually bet on the Leafs in the first period when the Canucks were down one nothing on Sunday. I put a little tenner down on uh, on the Canucks coming back to win at plus 550. So that 10 turned into a quick 65 pretty quick. I was pretty happy with that bet. I know this isn't wow. the betting segment right now. Shout out to our friends at Odd Shark, But nice little comeback win at the plus 550 for me on a $10 bet. I'll take that. Wow. Yeah, Elliot Friedman on Sportsnet was pointing out that that game on Sunday night with the Canucks, that was the biggest underdog from a sports betting perspective since 2006 in the NHL, and I don't know who the team was, but that's what Elliot was saying, and holy cow, it was just, to see them come out and perform the way they did, it was just, you know, Braden Holtby was huge in that game, but that was that was part of the storyline, right? And part of the storybook finish was that Braden Holtby, this guy who I was ragging on last week, do you remember we were talking about this, and we were saying there's one goaltender out, we don't know who it is yet, and I said, if it's Braden Holtby, try and remember what this team looked like with Braden Holtby in net before they had COVID. Now imagine what they're going to look like with Braden Holtby in net after having COVID, and I was I was expecting a bloodbath, and you know, it wasn't, it wasn't even... Like, they, they played okay. They played okay in front of them. I'm not trying to rag on the Canucks team defense here, especially after what they went through. But Holpe stole them that win on Sunday night. Like, when you look at the amount of high-danger chances he had to stop, it was a textbook 
game stolen by a goaltender. And if that was Thatcher Demko in net, I'd say, okay, I was kind of expecting that. If they were going to win on Sunday, I knew it was going to be Thatcher Demko that had to steal it. I did not think that Braden Holpe was going to steal them that game. He hasn't really stolen them a game this year, Chris. He's held he's held them above water at times, but he hasn't really stolen them a game. And on Sunday night, he did just that, and he followed it up with a pretty darn good performance on Tuesday night as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to see what he did coming back from it, and, you know, over the two games here, he's got a 937 save percentage. He's faced 79 shots. I mean, that's no easy workload for a guy who's coming in and, you know, basically having to face 40 shots a game. Not only 40 shots a game, like, against the Ottawa Senators, but against the Toronto Maple Leafs, who have some really good shooters. And, and yeah, he was tested a lot. I mean, it felt like when he made that that incredible save on Sunday there, the Dominic Kashuk poke check into the roll. Like, that was unreal. At that point, I feel like everybody was going on and betting on the Canucks that they were going to go and win that game. But, you know, it, it was it was just great to see them back on the ice and, like, for for at least like the two and a half hours of watching the game, uh, you know, just being like involved in watching the Canucks play again was just such a great feeling. I mean, uh, there's been like we've talked about it a lot that it's like, oh, we, I don't know if these players should go back and play like it's going to be tough. But like it isn't our decision to make that right. Like the players would be able to just not play if that was really how they felt. Right. Like I feel like they would be able to do that. Like, I don't think the NHL is holding a gun to their head and forcing them on the ice. Like, maybe to a certain level, there's something along those lines, but there isn't the point of, like, you have to play or you're banned from hockey for the rest of your life. Like, these guys do want to play. Like, and it's been hard to kind of listen to them say that because, like, from an outside perspective, it's like, wow, like, how? Like, how do you guys want to get back and play after what you've gone through? Like, this is horrible what you guys have dealt with. Literally a week ago, guys were just, like, in horrible situations with COVID, I mean, the team had a horrible outbreak, and the fact that they're back on the ice, like, it is surreal to just think that they're back to to playing games and now winning games against the best team in the North Division. Yeah, exactly, and I want to push back a little bit on that because they didn't want to play as early as they were going to be asked to. Yeah, and, good point, good you know, point. The schedule does still suck, but... You know, as soon as JT Miller's available to media again, I'm going to ask him because the last time he spoke, he said he's not even thinking about playoffs. But again, he was speaking thinking that they were going to play on Friday night and he was he was hardly able to skate. Like, imagine what would have happened if they had to come back on Friday night, if Miller hadn't yeah. used the media to get that message out there. You know what I mean? Like, I think we're looking at a different outcome than the one we're talking about right now. So... I want to ask JT Miller, just has that at all changed? Are you more, are, are you thinking about the playoffs now because of this, not only the success you guys had, but the fact that the schedule was pushed back? Because I don't think anybody's asked him that. And I think that's an interesting question to ask because, you know, I, I don't think anybody took it the wrong way. And, and he even said, he said, I hope no one takes this the wrong way because I'm a competitive guy. But he was like, I'm only worried about our, our safety right now because we're coming back to an environment that's not safe. And I'm not worried about the playoffs at all. And, you know, you don't really hate that answer from JT Miller. But I'm curious to see how that's changed at all uh, or if it has changed at all. So that'll be a question that I want to ask JT Miller for sure on the next Zoom availability. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be a, a great time to ask him. I mean, let, let's go back to the first game and just talk about Bo Horvat for a second, right? I mean, he puts up two goals and an assist. Obviously scores the overtime winner to get them over the hump there. Um, from your captain, I mean, we we all talked about it, you know, after JT Miller came out and spoke to the media about that kind of leadership that he brought off the ice, right? To, to have his boys back. Then you look at what Bo Horvat did on the ice. 
Like, that's another prime example of leadership from what you saw Horvat do uh, on the Sunday game where he played under 20 minutes, actually, in total. That's including overtime. Plays under 20 minutes, but makes a huge impact on the ice. Gets the game-winning goal in overtime. Two goals and an assist. And it just drags his team into the fight. And, I mean, a lot of people were obviously giving a lot of props to, to Braden Holpe, and he did. But, like, you know, that was a that was a big leadership showcase for me, seeing what Bo Horvat did on Sunday. And you were in the you were in the arena. I don't know if you caught other things that you maybe want to touch on, but what did you think about Horvat's game back there on Sunday? Uh, it was interesting because when he spoke to media, he said he was like, you know, we want to win, and he like he was asked about expectations being low and if that makes anything easier. And I think he he, he took it as. People think they're going to suck and they're going to get steamrolled, but like he took that personally, you know what I mean? Insert Michael Jordan meme, but he took that personally, it seemed like, and he wasn't taking it as a, oh, people feel sorry for us and think we're going to get steamrolled. He took it kind of as a way of, while people think we are not only tired, but think we suck like that. That was kind of how he made it seem when he spoke about it, because he said, you know, people think we're going to get steamrolled. That just adds fuel to the fire for me. And, you know, you can say that, but then to go out and have the performance that he did, that's just the sign of somebody who really meant it when he said that. And props to him, man. Props to Bo Horvat. That was one of his, you know, these last two games have been some of his best performances as the Canucks captain, for sure. Um, you know, mm-hmm. getting the game winner, you know, tying the game up or I guess Hoaglander tied it up in Tuesday's or Sunday's game but you you get the point it was a great performance for Bo especially after saying what he said and then post game he came out and said the same thing he was like he's like yeah we're here to win and that's what we're gonna do so you know you like to see that swagger and again you you saw it last year with JT Miller right when they were asked about Boston and what's it like to beat a team like Boston. And JT was like, I don't know why I'm getting so many questions about Boston. Like we're a good team and we, we need to have that swagger about us. And it was like, it almost felt like a turning point of the season last year, Chris, because the Canucks really did start to play with more confidence after that. And then they carried that into the bubble. I'm interested to see how, Horvat's similar comments and similar kind of performances where he kind of takes over a game see how that impacts the team going forward because you know we talk about it right with with hockey teams you usually see kind of an inciting incident before things start to really turn around with St. Louis Blues obviously there was the fight and they went to win the cup I'm not saying the Canucks are gonna go win the cup but maybe something that they all rally together is wow we all got hit by this super virus and all our families got like taken out out of commission for a week like that sucked but they all went through it together you know what I mean and they're all coming back now and you know I'm not I'm not trying to point fingers at anybody but yeah I don't know like I'm gonna save that part I'm gonna save that part I was gonna say something but I'm not gonna say it on record but yeah it's um it's been interesting to kind of see how how the teams kind of rallied around each other and you know even Quinn Hughes last night saying the same sort of thing of you know, like, I think we're a really good team and I think we could do something here. Like, that's, if you're a Canucks fan, that's exactly what you want to hear right now. And I'm sorry, like, even as media, I know we're not fans, but man, you don't want to cover a team that's just on its way to a death march. You know what I mean? Like, where are they going to pick in the draft lottery? How's the draft lottery going to go? Like, I don't want to cover another draft lottery, Chris. I want to cover a team that's making the playoffs every year. I want a team that's excellent. That's what this city deserves. That's what these fans deserve. I'm sorry, but you need to hold 
hold the Canucks and hold everybody else to a higher standard than what's been in this market for the last couple of years. I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I will say that you should be demanding success when it comes to year seven of a management regime. Well, absolutely. And I think that's the thing, like the, a lot of people want to give Jim Benning props right now, especially after two games and with a banner about to be flown around Rogers arena, calling for his firing. Like a lot of people are like, how can you say that about Jim Benning? But like, Jim Benning isn't the one who made the recovery from COVID, got on the ice, and ended up willing his way into two wins against the Leafs, right? Like, Jim Benning put together this team, right? But these players are the ones that are doing it. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, I feel like the roster construction still could be a lot better. But these players, they, they have in this core group of guys that they're led by Horvat and, and Miller and, and these guys that are put together and put on the ice, like they're the ones that are going out there and winning for this team. Like, the roster isn't helping a lot. These guys just, the core that you have here is so good that you need to build around them the right way to support them and not drag them down. And I think that's that's the thing that a lot of people are just mad about with with the situation and, and probably why there is a fire bending banner being flown around, I believe, today as we're recording this uh, in, like, an hour or so. Um, you know, like, that's that's the tough thing to see because, like, these players are just... They out, went out there and just gave a hell of an effort, man. Like, that that was... I know a lot of people are saying that was one of the biggest wins in regular season history. It doesn't doesn't cross the, the Sedine night for me or anything like that. But, like, it does remind me of, of certain other big moments that the Canucks have had. It, it, like, Game 8, right? The Game 8 game against Boston Bruins. Like, it reminds me in a similar way to that. But so many differences, obviously, with what the situations that the teams were in at the time. But, like... You know, it's a similar regulation win like that, uh, I guess, for, like, an impact that it made. But, yeah, just so impressive by what the players went out and done. And and I don't think people were doubting them, but it was just, like, it felt so... It felt so impossible that they would be able to go back and recover and do this, right? Like, it just felt impossible, I think, to me. And and I'm, I'm just blown away with what they were able to do over these past two games here with just an extreme effort level from all the players that went out there and played. Travis Hamannick, you know, like, averaging, what, 24 minutes a game over the past two? Like, way to step up by a guy like him and, and other players. Like, I, I guess the one player that I wanted to ask you about, too, who I think has been the best Canucks skater over these past two games of them coming back is Niels Huglander. Like, I think he has been absolutely excellent over the past two games. I don't know what you have to take on him, but, you know, only averaging uh, 14 minutes over those two games, he's not playing a ton. Like, compare that to Brock Besser, who's playing 20 minutes a game over the last two, Horvat 20 minutes last two, even Brandon Sutter playing more minutes than Niels Huglander. But, like, what have you seen from him in these two games back? Because this is an impressive game from the 20-year-old. Oh, for sure. Huglander's been great. And, you know, I'm not not trying to Damian Cox it here. And say, oh, the rest helped him. But he did say that he didn't really have any symptoms. And he just tested positive, And he was one of the lucky ones that didn't have any symptoms. But we saw what Nils Hoaglander looks like when he's well-rested, right? Like, he came into the start of the season and was on a torrid pace. I don't want to say he was slowing down. But he was looking a little worse than he did at the start of the year, for sure. He's had a he's had a huge impact. Like his point totals don't show the full impact he's had on this team this year, Chris. But you know he has a week off or two weeks off or whatever it was, and he comes back and all of a sudden he's playing great. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think you're gonna see, especially for a young rookie like Hoaglander, we saw something similar with Pedersen where he started to slow down in the second half of his rookie year. You're gonna see a guy who when he's 
at his best and when he's well rested, he is playing some seriously good hockey. And I think we're just seeing that with Hoaglander right now. And again, I'm not trying to Damian Cox it and downplay what these players went through, but we do know that Hoaglander was one of the ones that didn't show any symptoms and just tested positive. So, you know, right. do with that what you will. But I, I'd like to think that because of that, he's he's a little more well rested. Yeah, and I just think that the way that the situation that he's in, like 20 years old, this kid turned 20 in December, right? Like, he is a fresh 20-year-old kid, and I texted you this the other night. I was going to write an article about it, but I've pivoted it to something else that uh, I'll tell you about after the show. Um, But uh, this is the second COVID outbreak that he's gone through, right? Like, there was a massive one in the SHL, specifically his team, right? Like, Regla over there went through a COVID outbreak. He was he was able to stay healthy. I was texting him at the time, and, and he was able to stay away from the team and be healthy. But they had, I think it was something like 14 guys total throughout the organization that were they ended up testing positive for COVID. They had to shut down for a couple weeks. So it's like, Nils Huglander is a 20-year-old. He's like, oh, I've gone through this already. Like, this season, like this past fall, not even six months ago, he was going through another COVID outbreak. So to see him go on the ice and... And just go out there like we we heard so much about it. We talked about it. We talked with him about it. Like his love for hockey is just it's so high, right? And I think that's what I've talked about this lots on the show in the past couple past couple of years, really. But like the way that the Canucks have drafted, I think over the past really since the 2017 draft for me was like the guys that they're drafting are just absolutely obsessed with hockey. Like, they're obsessed with hockey. Every prospect loves hockey, right? Like, every prospect loves to go to the rink and score goals. But the guys that are obsessed with it are the guys who are going to be able to get better and continue to progress through their young ages and and just be better, be better hockey players. And the Canucks have drafted these guys who are obsessed with hockey in the guys like Niels Huglander and, and, you know, Vasily Podkoles and Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes. These guys just... They just eat, breathe, and sleep hockey. So I think having this guy in, it's kind of like the safe spot for him to get away from this. This is the second outbreak he's gone through. The second outbreak on a different team in one calendar year, in one half calendar year, that he's gone through this kind of situation. And at 20 years old, he goes out there and is playing what I believe is some of the better hockey that I've seen from Huglander all season long in those two games. I mean, he's leading the Canucks in expected goal share from what we've seen over the past two games. He's been doing it all season long. You know, his possession numbers are through the roof. It's great to see him having a good year. But just to to look back at that, it's like, and I texted, I think I texted you at like three in the morning. I was like, damn, Huglander's gone through two of these now, right? Like, that's a really tough spot for a 20-year-old to be in and just so impressive and and such a mature showing from him over the past couple of days and, and few weeks, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, like he, he he's kind of a player that you look at and, you know, I think fans are going to really kind of see a lot of similarities between him and Vasily Podkolzin. Because the thing is, is Hoaglander's like a five foot nine power forward, but Vasily Podkolzin's going to come in and he's going to be a big power forward. He's going to play the exact same way as Hoaglander. And I think that should just excite fans in itself. Like that's going to be your second line. You're going to have Pod Colson and Hoaglander on the same line with Bo Horvat. And you know, that bumps Pearson down to the bottom six, but still like even, even if, even if Pearson's still in the top six and you have a Pod Colson or a Hoaglander in the bottom six, that's still good depth. Like you, you want that. Right. And you know, you'd like Tyler to in that spot. I'll say it again, but, um, it, it's going to be good for fans to kind of get a look at Vasily Podkolz. And I, I think that's the main thing. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but that's the main thing that we're going to be covering at training camp is how oh, yeah. does Vasily Podkolz look? You know what? I'm I'm going to say something really crazy here, Quads. Vasily Podkolz is going to look really good next year on the Canucks. 
he's going to be playing on a third line with Brandon Sutter, and he's going to make Brandon Sutter a better goal scorer. Wow. Hot take. So, so Canucks don't have to go out and get a third-line center because they have Vasily Podkolzin coming? Is that what you're telling me? No. Brandon Sutter is going to be the third-line center, and they don't, ha- yeah, they don't have to go out and get anyone because yeah. Brandon Sutter is going to sign a one-year deal with the Canucks probably at $2.5 million. And Vasily Podkolzin is going to come in and be the playmaker that helps Brandon Sutter score goals. Sutter can score goals. He had two the other night. You know, obviously one's an empty netter, but he can <laughs> score goals. He's got a good shot. He just can't make passes. I'll tell you what, Vasily Podkolzin has been playing with Ivan Morozov, who can't string a pass together all year long for him. <laughs> Podkolzin's playing with guys in the KHL that can't pass. He's perfect fit for jumping in and playing with Brandon Sutter. And I would love to see him on a line with Bo Horvat, and I'd love to see him on that line with Horvat and Huglander. But... With Tanner Pearson's extension, I don't see Tanner Pearson coming out of the, the top six as soon as next season. Like, I, I think that they're going to see what Vasily Podkolzin did in Russia. And I think that the idea that he can be a top six player that a lot of scouts have, and a lot of people believe that, you know, a lot of people that watch Podkolzin say, yeah, there's top six talent there. I think that's not going to be shown in the first year just because the Canucks have seen, like, oh, look at what he's able to do in a bottom six role, right? Like, look at what he was able to do with Sky in a bottom six role. He played fourth line minutes, he'll play third line for us, and he'll be a bottom six guy who holds well in his own zone. And he's going to do that. Like, he's absolutely going to do that. He's going to help the bottom six a lot if that's where Pod Colson is. And if you can find a way to just get another winger on that line, and heck, it might be Jake Vertanen. Like, the Canucks' third line next year, coming out of training camp... I think it's a very possible thing to see Vasily Podkolzin on the left wing, Brandon Sutter at center, and Jake Vertanen on the right wing. Like, that third line is maybe the first time in Brandon Sutter's Canucks career where I have been excited to see a Brandon Sutter line because of Vasily Podkolzin and Jake Vertanen bringing their skill set and the things that they do well to align with a Brandon Sutter who does still have some value not at four plus million dollars, but does still have some value as a third line center on a team. And I think that his line gets a lot better if you surround him with a great playmaker like Vasily Pod Colson, who's going to just be ferocious on four checks. And then you cue that in with with Jake Vertanen, who can you know just do Jake things, leave the zone early, try and get two on ones and three on twos, and and be able to just rip shots and try and go to the net hard. Maybe Jake, like I've always thought that Jake Vertanen would be a better player. If he's on a line with a Huglander or a guy who's just giving her every single shift, like Jake can't just, he wouldn't just lollygag his way around the ice like we see him do sometimes if he was on the line and seeing what these young players are doing. Like, I feel like that would raise his game. So, yeah, for the first time, I think I'm plugging Brandon Sutter's extension back in. And I want just a one-year deal. But I, 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 you know, I'd love to see it at 1.5. I don't think it's going to come in at that. I think it's 2.5 if Jim Benning's signing the deal. But if Brandon Sutter comes in around $2 million to play in your third line on a one-year deal, I'm actually kind of fine with that right now. And I would not have been thinking that I would be saying that at the start of the season. Okay. Hot take. I like it. The last thing I want to say before we cut to break, this has been a really long first half. Last thing I want to say, this is from Brendan Batchelor. okay? I read this and I just wanted to point it out. So here's the most interesting part about this playoff conversation for the Canucks. The Habs play their last game on May 12th. The Canucks have five games after that and end their season on May 19th. So whether they make the playoffs or not, and assuming Calgary doesn't mount a serious push, the Canucks could be playing meaningful games all the way until the last week of the season. They just have to stay within 10 points of the Canadians to make it happen. And if you want to assume that Calgary does find a way to fight back in the mix, four of those five games after May 12th are Canucks vs. Flames. So they have a chance of being meaningful in that regard too. 
I never would have thought it possible, but here we are. Now, Chris, those last three games against Calgary, I was talking last week about how those were going to be games that it was just like, who who can put in less effort? You know what I mean? Because at that point, it was yeah. looking like both teams were going to be out of the playoff series, out of the playoff race. But now, Carey Price goes down for Montreal, and the Canucks have games in hand, and they're eight points back, and they have four games coming up against the Ottawa Senators. I'm sorry, but after you win your 69th game in franchise history against the Maple Leafs on 420, that's just, it's written in the stars. Like, the Canucks are going to make a playoff push here. They're, they're going to. They they have to. After that win, come on. 69-420, it just, it doesn't get any nicer than that. I know. No, it, it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, like, I thought that's what you were bringing up with the Batch tweet. <laughs> like, when you're like, oh, I gotta bring some of the Brennan Bachelors in. Cause, like, no, not I, just that. I don't think it's gonna get any better than Brennan Bachelors tweet about the Canucks 69th win on 420. Um, no. And to see, all, to see like, what Wyatt wrote in the Armies last year with his little, you know, weed jokes thrown in there. I, I tried to have some fun with the title uh, on Tuesday's game. A lot of fun. Uh, 420 isn't what it used to be, obviously, but, you know, it's legal now, so you don't have to, like, protest it and do these big rallies and stuff, like, on 420 to celebrate it, but um, you know, yeah, it was great to see them win that, and yeah, man, like <laughs> the season ends on the nineteenth. That's uh, that's my birthday, uh, May nineteenth. That's my birth. So if the Canucks end up making the playoffs on that final night of my birthday, I'll do it live on the show. And I said this if they were to win Game Seven against the Vegas Golden Knights, but I've mixed it up now that we got our friends at Mike's Hard Lemonade. I'll shotgun twelve Mike's Blue Freezes live on the show. If the Canucks get in on the final day, on my birthday, May 19th, into the playoffs. It's another long shot, but I'll do 12 shotguns of Blue Freeze live while recording a show um, if that happens. Wow. Okay. I love it. I love it. That that sounds sounds like a plan. I'm, I'm very, very excited for that. So, quads will do, quads okay. will do two of them. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. I got the pump action here. I'm looking at it right now from our friends, the Drunk Engineers. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, got, I got it. I got one. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll bust it out. But uh, let's cut to break, Chris. On the other side, we'll talk about a few more things. I completely forgot what you said you wanted to talk about, but there will be a prospect sport. There will be a betting segment. Keep it locked. Keep it loaded on the Canucks conversation. All right. You guys all know about Parallel 49 Beer from our commercials here on the show. And now we have a new announcement. Hello, Peach Bod. That's right. It's not all about the Beach Bod this summer. It's all about the Peach Bod this summer. This one's an interesting one, folks. A sparkling peach ale. So you're getting a beer with peach flavor on it, but it's also high in carbonation. It's definitely a different one, and I highly recommend going out there and giving it a try if you're into a peach-flavored beer. And that's something, you know, I'm pretty damn into. i got to get out and try it myself pretty soon here. I will report back on the show about this. Uh, so go out there and try the Peach Bod for yourself from Parallel 49 Beer. Check them out on Instagram, at Parallel 49, as in the numbers, and then beer, that's Parallel 49 Beer. And be sure to check out their website for more information about how you can get beer through Uber Eats. That's right, through those food delivery apps. Uber Eats, you can get your delivery from Parallel 49 Beer. Be sure to check out their website, Parallel49Brewing.com. That's Parallel, the numbers 49Brewing.com. The pandemic and a slow economy are making it tough on a lot of people to find steady, good-paying work. But one industry is bucking that trend. Construction companies are hiring and need more workers than ever before. Upload your resume to icba.ca and get noticed. With more than 3,000 employers on our ICBA team, our employment network can connect you to businesses crewing up 
for the 2021 construction season. Trades jobs that pay well, offer excellent benefits, invest in safety training, and give a firm career foundation. Check out icba.ca slash jobs. All right, and a massive thank you to all of our sponsors on this show. Chris, you told me during the break you want to talk about Jimmy VC. So I'll just, the floor is yours. Go ahead. What do you have to say about Jimmy VC? Yeah, I think um, I think you started to see it on Tuesday's game where he was really taken out of the top six. Uh, you know, Jake Vertanen ended up getting some time up there. VC just kind of slipped a little bit. He's he's not looked like the same player after COVID, and and maybe it was something that affected him quite a bit. So it's not like you can really blame him for it. But I, I'm wondering if we're going to see more of Jake Vertanen in the top six, and we're going to see with Jimmy VC moving forward here, and and see how that kind of fits with the Canucks moving forward with their top six because like. Man, VC's numbers over the past couple games were were really bad. Like they were maybe it was something about the Leafs just knowing his game or, or what whatever it was. He just he did not have a good two games here um, against the Leafs. His expected goals um, was twenty four percent. Um, it's for control of the goal share in those two games. There was a reason why he was moved down off that line, and I think that's from Travis, you know, actually using analytics, right? I think that's something that that Travis has really used. I think ever since being a coach, really, it's something that he's leaned on kind of quietly in the background. But like, you see these these analytic numbers pop off the page, and you see the adjustment already made by Travis Green, and it's like, wow, that's that's good to see. I wonder if he is using analytics to a degree. So, um, props to Travis if that's what it was, and you know, I just. There was a lot to like about Jimmy VC, and maybe it's just a bad two-game stretch for him, and, and maybe he will get back to playing on that first line and playing with Horvat or playing with Miller and and Brock Besser on that top scoring line and see what he can do, and maybe he'll get back to it. But I don't think that coming back to the next game on Thursday, I wouldn't be surprised to see him back on on a fourth line. Really, like on a fourth line, I think that's where he finished the game on Tuesday night, and I wouldn't be shocked to see that on Thursday as well. So I'm very curious to see practice lines come out on Thursday morning. Yeah. Me too. Me too. That's that's interesting what you said. And the other newcomer, Travis Boyd, kind of playing the third line center position. What have you thought of his performance in that spot? Uh, I mean, he's got energy, I guess. I didn't think he was great uh, in both those games either, but it, he, he looked like he had some energy. I liked the look of the fourth line to start that game on Tuesday. You know, with, was it Highmore, Boyd, and Vertanen? That was the fourth line. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I thought Vertanen played one of his better games in his return. Like, you know, you always get these flashes of good games from Jake. Like, it's it's kind of always been said you're going to get, you know, 10 good games from Jake every year. You're going to get five great games from Jake every year, and the rest are going to stink, right? Like, it was one of those 10 that you got in the game uh, when he returned in the second game um, against the Leafs. And, you know, I, I just like the way that fourth line felt. Like, seeing a Canucks fourth line without Jay Beagle or Brandon Sutter as the center really makes you just think of, like, this is the way the NHL is going, right? Like, get some energy guys on your fourth line who can help you on either special teams unit and let them go wild on your fourth line when you match up against other teams' fourth lines. I think that's the way of the future for fourth lines. And, and yeah, it was nice to see Boyd. He's going to be at a low low cap hit moving forward. So maybe he's the answer at fourth line center. So I, I guess we'll have to wait and see with Boyd. But I didn't think he impressed me very much. Like, similar to Highmore, neither really impressed me, but... They both played a game and they got wins in those games. So, you know, fine, fine performance for them to start, but nothing impressive. Like, it, you know, even Jimmy Vesey, I thought, had a much better start with the Canucks. And yeah, it just nothing really stuck out for me about them being good. Like, they were they were solid fourth-line NHL players to me from what I saw in the two games. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Yes, that's. I think that's the correct analysis for sure. Chris... We should hop into a bit of a prospect report. I guess we went for almost 40 minutes in the first half, so 
There's one more thing I want to ask you, and we can make a bet on this. I don't know what you want to bet, um, but I think I'll let you even pick first. Um, So looking at where the Canucks are at right now, uh, what is it, 18 games remaining, 17 games remaining? 17, yep. Something like that. All right, so 17 games remaining. You got Brock Besser with 16 goals, Bo Horvat with 16 goals. I think you and I should make a little bet here. I don't know what we want to wager, but... I'll let you pick first out of the two, and I'll take the other one on who's going to finish the season with the most goals out of Horvat and Besser. Wow, that's that is they're tied right now, a... right? They're tied right now. They've played the same amount of games. It's it's a good time to make the bet. I think that's a good man. That's actually a good bet because it's like is Bo just going to keep putting the team on his back and just play <laughs> out of his mind? Is that what we're going to see? And Or has Brock Besser been the MVP of the team so far? And is he going to continue to be like the MVP and score more goals? Exactly. I I think Brock Besser's the safer bet. But here's the thing that a lot of people don't realize. In the last, like, calendar year, going back to the bubble, like, Bo Horvat's been the best, one of the best goal scorers in the NHL. The entire league. And especially at even strength, too. And Stefan Roguet wrote an article for uh, Canucks Army about this, and it's my weekly time to shout him out. Um, yeah, of course it is. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he wrote an article about how Bo is one of the best goal scorers in the league, and I don't think he really gets credit for that much. And, man, I, I'm i going to go Brock, because that's the safer bet. But I think the odds would be lower on Horvat. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm right, going to so go Brock. So what's the wager here? Oh man, I don't want to make an actual bet on this. I'm. You I think hear we have how to. not passionate I am about my pick here? Like I don't know. It's, it's going to be close. Then let me pick. Okay, sure. All right, I'll I'll take Besser. I think Besser's going to finish with more. Well, I'll take Besser too then. I, well, I, what I the hell? Then I'll I'll take Horvat then. I'll take Horvat okay. in this bet. Let's make it. Um, I don't know. Uh, what could we both use and that's not over Stubbs. fifty dollars? Stubbs and MLB the show. You gotta buy me a Stubbs PlayStation the show? gift card. Yeah, bro. Maybe I should just give you. Card. I should just give you some of these cards that I've been pulling lately. Like uh, the cards that I'm pulling are ridiculous. I'll buy. I'll buy five of these packs that are, are 1,500 coins, and I'm pulling. Anyways, I'm not gonna get into this. Nobody yeah, cares. Please don't. But anyways, <laughs> my pulls have been ridiculous. Um, all right, let's. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Twenty five dollar uh, PlayStation card for you or Xbox card for me. We'll bet on that. Deal. Deal. Okay. Deal. So I've got Horvat. I've got Horvat. You've got Besser. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Does the bet get say, washed maybe... out if either player gets injured or no? Ooh. No. I don't think okay. so. Okay. I don't think so. Whatever well, they finish with your, is what your they bet sounds with. a lot better than because Bo just doesn't get hurt. Knock on wood. I'm not, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But uh, yeah, okay. All right. All right. Sure. Fair. Fair. No problem. All right. Sounds good. I'll, I'll take that for sure. Um, the other thing, quickly, I just just your opinion before I get to the uh, the comments and the prospect report. Do you think Pedersen's playing a game this year? Another game at the end of the season? Because I'm I'm starting to lean towards. I don't think we're going to see him. I was leaning toward. I don't think we're going to see him. But the word out, word on the street is that he doesn't need surgery and that he's going to avoid surgery. So I could see him coming back, man, for like a playoff push if they if they need him and you know they hmm. keep winning some games and he thinks he can help. I, I absolutely, I think you see see Pedersen come back. Or do you try and keep him fresh for playoffs? And it's crazy we're talking about this, but 
I was thinking this. he was going to be shut down for the season, Chris. But if they're in the playoffs, there's zero chance. Like knowing Elias Pettersson, there is no chance that he's going to sit out of the playoffs if he can play, even if he's going to be playing hurt. He's going to try. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. If if playoffs start to come to the equation, um, you're going to see Petey back in the lineup. I think, yeah. If they start to lose pretty pretty rapidly here, when the when the schedule really starts to crank up, I think shutting them down is still the right decision. I know it's it's something that you've talked about weeks ago on the show, right? Like it, you were saying, if if it if there's any risk of injury, you know, going on into the future here and being elongated by coming back, then you should keep them out. I know you've been banging that drum for a few weeks now, and I'm kind of just getting on that train late here. But yeah, I mean, if if they are. In a playoff run, yes, but if anything, like if they're not, if they're under five percent chance, if they start losing some games here, um, you know, you got. I think the best bet's just to shut them down and, and give some other guys opportunities. Like, when are we going to see Cole Lind? You know, like when is Cole Lind going to get into action? He's in Vancouver. He's waiting. He's got a pregame skate the other day. You know, and and you're putting out guys like Highmore and, and Howerluck and and Boyd and you know, not giving the guy who just worked through a perfect development of the AHL. Like maybe not perfect. Like he didn't jump in and score a million goals in his first year, but he really developed over the years in the AHL. And it's just it's a good development story to give him a shot this season. So I'll be curious to when we see Cole Lind in action as well. So I don't know. That's that's, all I really got on that. That's great, but does Cole Lind help you more in an NHL game than Howerluck or Highmore? Like, does he? Do you think that? He might. He really might. It depends. Depends how his best skills translate to the NHL. Right? Like, everybody saw what he did in junior, how he was a scoring machine. He scored at will. There would be games where he would just piss people off the whole game and then score three goals in the third period and they would, Kelowna would win. Right? Everybody in Kelowna who's listening. And I know we got a good listenership in Kelowna. We look, we're just looking at our cities lately. Um, they all know this. I'm not breaking any news here. Cole Lynn could just take over games. Then he got to the AHL, struggled at the start, but man, did he find his, his playmaking touch last season. And I think if he brings that to a line... You know, maybe Cole Lynn's playing with Jay Furtanen on a line. Maybe he's got a left wing of, uh, you know, who could really fit on a left wing with that. I don't know, maybe Roussel if he's healthy or even Jimmy Vesey. Like, what if Cole Lynn's debut is on a fourth line with Jimmy Vesey and Jake Furtanen? Like, that line has a good chance of going out there and showing well. And heck, if they're just going to roll with, with what they have at center and you want to keep Boyd there, with Roussel's injury... You know, McEwen's got to get a call here soon, right? Like, McEwen, the only reason that I could see him not being in the lineup right now is him having, you know, problems with COVID that is just going on and continuing because I don't understand why Zach McEwen is not in the lineup if that's not the reason. Hmm. Interesting, yeah. Noel Brown's still on the shelf, too. He isn't uh, right. on the bench. Travis called it COVID-related reasons. So that's all right. the best and, to Noel. And just to add, to add to the Colin thing, I think that... He is going to come in and play as a winger, but I do think the options there for a center. But having having guys that can take faceoffs, Brandon Sutter, Travis Boyd, Bo Horvat, JT Miller, you know all these guys able to play center, that's totally fine. And if if you're going to have to see Lind on the wing when he comes in, that's still his natural position, right? That's still where he's gotten better at. And just my conversation with him a couple weeks ago was him talking about learning so much more about the defensive zone and little things like where forwards need to be when you're defending a rush that's coming at you. Or where you need to be when you're initiating a breakout. Like, it changes so much when you move to center and have to learn that. That I think it's really taught him more about just how to defend as a winger, too. So I think that his move to center, even if it doesn't work out, and that's the position that he is moving forward. If he goes back to just playing the wing, I think this little stint at center is actually really going to help him with just defensive awareness. And that's something that he's talked about. Like, you know, he, he wrote, I wrote it in the article, there were some quotes from him about... 
the biggest thing that he saw this year compared to last year was how how the game felt slower and how decisions were just like appearing to him right like he was able to to scan the ice quickly and make a decision instead of scan the ice pause think about it and then go like he was able to just see and do and make good decisions this year so i think that that's going to help him a lot uh if he does end up just coming in and playing the wing for the canucks pretty soon here interesting okay chris take it away man prospect report go ahead yeah, let's okay. Let's start with the comments. Um, there's you know a lot of stuff. And shout out Corey Hergot. Um, he brought this up last week and uh, you know DM me about it. And obviously, you know Corey sniffed a story, and obviously it seems to be one. As the latest now is the mayor of oh you gotta you gotta say it for me the city I can't do it I always screwed up Binghamton Binghamton. So the mayor of Binghamton, Richard Davis, uh, told the newspaper there. This is his quote. Now my understanding is that. They are going to Utica, and this is him talking about the Devils, and that the Utica Comets is going out west. One of the primary reasons that Utica was so attractive is a series of high-profile blah, 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 blah. The important thing is the mayor of Binghamton. I said it right there, right? Yeah, yeah. Perfect. So the mayor of Binghamton, he said that, you know, from what he's heard, it sounds like the Utica Comets are going out west. A lot of people think B.C., I'm not like I would love it. Don't get me wrong. I you know I live 15 minutes away from the LEC. If they were to go play at the LEC, I would love that. Being able to have the comments that close and be able to have that kind of access, that would be the best thing for me. But it's the AHL, and one of the big concerns in the AHL is travel to play games. Right? This isn't an organization like the NHL team that has money just out the ass. They can't spend money out the ass. There's a lot of, you know, there's a reason why the segment with Corey was called riding the bus. They are literally riding the bus to games. There's a lot of teams in the AHL around the Western, I guess the West coast of the United States, right? You look at all the teams in the California bracket who play 56 games and it's just a different amount of games than the rest of the AHL. They end up having a lot easier travel, similar to what Utica had, right? Like there's a lot of teams very close clumped up in that Utica, New York, Buffalo area, where they were able to, you know, be 45 minutes away from your opponent. That's a 45-minute road trip. That's a lot easier than if the Canucks come up here and they bring their Comets and change it into whatever and they play them at the LEC. I would love it. I think it would be great for fans, but I don't think that the Canucks are willing, the organization the Canucks, are willing to put that much money into their AHL team to have them, you know, not have any close teams that they can go on bus rides to go play against. They're going to have to fly everywhere they go, right? Like, they're not taking a bus to Manitoba, to play the moose. They're not going and taking a bus down to California to play the rain. Like they're, they're going to have to fly everywhere they go. And that's, that's asking a lot, right. To pay for your HL teams, travel games. And I, I don't think that it's going to be in BC. I would love it. Like anywhere, if it was Kelowna, Victoria, you know, any of these cities that would be able to hold an HL team, I just don't think it's going to happen due to the travel. But I do think that the Canucks are going to end up being somewhere, Somewhere in California, Arizona, I think, um, did Dollywall report that Salt Lake City Salt was in Lake the mix City. as well? Yeah, Salt Lake City so, sounds to be the front runner. But I just wanted to say, Chris, Coquitlam Comets. I don't know if you remember that or you know that Coquitlam lore, but junior hockey team. I think they, they disbanded in like the 60s or something. Only reason I know that is because the Express, when I was covering them, did a throwback night and they wore Coquitlam Comets jerseys. So bring back the oh. Comets, throw them in Poirier. Uh, you don't know this, but Poirier is like a recreation center and could not host an AHL team, but it hosts a junior hockey team. Regardless, the thing I wanted to say on this is, listen, the Canucks don't even want to pay their, their coach right now and their goalie coach, (laughs) right? Like Travis Green is a good hockey coach and that has been relevant for a long time and kind of 
evident for a while, but when you come back and you win these two games from from the Leafs, you talk about buy-in and buy-in from your players into what you're selling. I just I don't think there's there's anything more than what Travis has done and honestly after these two wins it's just like imagine trying to lowball your coach that you like you home homegrown coach started in Utica did everything the right way and you lowball him and you're gonna let him walk it just it doesn't make sense man and I, I get like everybody says oh from a business standpoint you gotta uh you, you gotta worry about how much you're paying him but man from a business standpoint you're trying to sell tickets and Travis Green helps the Canucks be a better team and I'm sorry but just letting him go when he's worked so well with this young core and got them to the playoffs and you know got them pretty deep into the playoffs the second round that that was higher expectations than anybody had for the Canucks last year and you know I'm not trying to jump the gun here, but depending on what he can do in this final month, this could seriously cement him as needing an extension. Like they, they will have no choice but to extend him going into the playoffs. I yeah, I, I'm want everything you just said 100 percent agree with, and I just think that like if it's not done already, what's it going to take? Like, is it going to take? Does it require him to go get the team into the playoffs? Like, is that what it's going to take to to make this happen? Or do you just think that there has been enough discussions and it just hasn't come out yet? Like, that's the only... Those are the only two things that I can see really being possible. Otherwise, like, I don't know. They can't just let him walk. They really can't just let Travis Green walk. He is... He will be snatched up in a second on a five-year contract with somebody. Potentially Seattle and maybe Calgary. Like, these two teams that the Canucks are going to play a lot of games against in the, ne- in the near future... I don't know. I I just I think the more days that we see go by, the worse and worse it looks, you know. And I think that if you're banking on the playoffs being the thing that saves his job, that's just such a far fetched thing to have from what you've seen Travis Green do already. And I hate it. I'm with you. Like, get the guy signed already. Like, they really need to give this guy an extension. And I I, I hope it's just I hope it's done behind the scenes. You know, like I really hope yep. it's been done. I really hope it's done and we just aren't hearing about it and maybe the Canucks are waiting for the perfect time to announce it, but it needs to be done. Absolutely needs to be done. And all like you see Canucks Twitter sometimes, they freak out about some things and you're like, Wow, people are really going too nuts about this. Like, you know, people are crazy about the banners that's going on lately, the media coverage over the past week, people were freaking out on Twitter, but people are freaking out about this on Twitter about Travis Green, and they're right. They're 100% right to be freaking out about this situation on Twitter because it's very wrong. It's wrong that this guy doesn't have an extension. It's wrong that Ian Clark doesn't have an extension. Travis Green should be this team's coach moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, man. Well, time for a little betting segment from our friends at Odd Shark. You're going to be the one carrying this one because I have no betting advice right now. I have not looked. man. But people should be going to oddshark.com and checking out the latest betting trends, all the editorial content. Go check it out, oddshark.com. Chris, what's your betting advice this week? Ooh, all right, I got a hot one for you. This this might even be like Oddshark was asking me to write an article about it. This is how good this take is. Canucks right now to win the Stanley Cup. 15000 plus on the bet line. So you bet $5 like I did this morning. is going to return you $750. Boom. Book it. You got a $5 bill in your pocket, push it into your phone, and bet it. Bet it on the Canucks winning the Stanley Cup. If they go on a magical run, you will be thanking me now. $5 turns into $750. That's my betting segment for the week. Wow. I I put the money down on it. I'm here for it. And by the way, 
prospects report there's not much to talk about uh the comments are going to be back in action they're playing right now actually i need to get to that game um but not much to talk about there's not much going on around the world zodiac still in action um and then just some comment stuff but i'll be tweeting about it nonstop. so you can just follow me on twitter for all that fantastic all right you heard it here first folks canucks to oh win sorry the one Stanley more Cup. i slipped yeah sorry one more thing i want to slip before you close out here um fabian lichel or fabian lichel i'm gonna learn how to pronounce it when i talk to him um mm-hmm. he's gonna be a top 10 you know top 15 pick for sure in the nhl draft i've liked a lot of what i've seen from him uh he's he's in texas right now at the u18s with sweden he was supposed to join us for the show this uh today but he got caught up with some stuff with team sweden we're gonna do the interview tomorrow on thursday and they'll have that out on the show on saturday but i tell you I'm very excited for this one because this is the type of player that I see the Canucks going for. If the Canucks are picking somewhere from 10 to 14, I I have a really good feeling that uh, Lysel's up on their list. Lichel? Lushel? I can't pre- I, I'm going to talk to him about it. It's the same way with Huglander. We learned how to pronounce it from him. Uh, so I'll ask Fabian uh, on Friday uh, when I do the interview or Thursday, whenever I'm doing with him. But man, just remember the name because I feel like if the Canucks are around 10 to 14 at the draft, this is the route that they're going to go. So uh, it's going to be an interesting conversation on Saturday's show. Remember the name that Chris just pronounced three different ways in the span of one minute. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll close this out. Thank you so much to everybody for listening to another episode. It's been a lot of fun, Chris. What episode is this? 155? That's actually a nice number. I thought it was 154 today, but 155, that's a pretty nice number. So for Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation.